You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Yeah. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And it's crazy, y'all. We on episode 41. When I started, never thought I'd see 41. We're almost at the end of season two. And I know you have been like, Greg, you've been saying that since episode 35. Like, when is season two over? <laughs> but season two is over. Next episode, we're going to close it out. Then we're going to be all for a month. And then we're going to come back with some new flavor mid-October. I don't know why I said flavor, but I don't know. I like that word a little bit. So, and thank you, everybody, for bearing with me. I know it's Friday. I promise a podcast every Thursday, but some things happen this week, and I had to get it out Friday, so please, please bear with me. I apologize in advance for getting it out a day late. Also, as you know, as I'm doing our little housekeeping, please, please don't forget to leave a review if you haven't. We're at 111 right now. Let's get to 120 by the end of the weekend. So if you haven't already, if you love the podcast, you love this episode at the end, please definitely leave us a review. Five star, please. All right. <laughs> I want to see the one star, no two star, no three star, no four star. Give us a five star. <laughs> um, before we get into this episode, I just want to I want to step on the platform a little bit and say a couple things. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast Majority of you, y'all are killing it right now. It's cool. We love you. Thank you for the engagement. But I know there's a small subset of this podcast. The doors are getting closed right now for them. They may be going through something. Their business is not going off like they thought it would. Their career is not taking off like they thought it would when they graduated college. Maybe they didn't graduate college and they're just struggling trying to maintain employment or put money on food on the table for their kids or just provide for their family. And they, 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 they need outlets like this to help them get to the next level or just to take their mind off things that are going on. So this small subset that, that are going through things that listen to this podcast, I just want to share some encouragement. Don't give up. Don't give up. You do not know how close you are. Please, please. Please don't give up. And I know you heard it from a lot of people. I know you've heard this before from motivational speakers. You see it online. You see it in quotes everywhere. Don't give up. But I really sincerely mean it because the people that we've had on this podcast, they are examples of people that have not given up. And now they've been able to have a breakthrough. Myself, I'm an example of not giving up. And you know how many times I wake up and be like, yo, I don't want a podcast. I don't want to speak. I just want to go back to corporate. I just wanted to be by myself. 
But every single day when I face that challenge, I know that somebody is counting on me to show up and show out. Every single time. So that wakes me back up. And when I take the focus off myself and on the people that I can affect when I don't show up, when I quit, when I give in, that's when everything changes. So for those of you that are, are going through something right now that are listening, I know this is only a small portion. So I know the people that are not going through something, y'all can y'all can just skip over into the next two minutes. But for those of you that are going through something, I promise you, I beg you, please don't give up. Continue to move forward. And your day is coming. It's not going to rain forever. And make sure you focus on. Because somebody asked me today, what drives you? I said, the only thing that drives me is not success, not achievement. Is let is the fear of letting down somebody that is counting on me to show up and show out. That's what trailblazers do. They bring it every single time when they don't feel like it, when they're sick, when the money's not coming in, when people are not giving them appreciation they deserve. They continue to show up and they continue to show out until they get it and until they can move and inspire and motivate others to go get it because your day will come. It will not rain forever. It will not. It will not. It will not. And that's why we created this podcast, because these are people that have not given up. And when they did give up, they got right back. It's never too late. All right? It's never too late. And I know it's like, yo, gee, it's early in the podcast for you to be coming with that kind of energy or that kind of focus. Because, yo, I just want to listen to the podcast, bro. Like, why are you ranting? And not to say, I'm not the guru on everything. If you ever read my book, Remember You're a Genius Again, you will know I am not the guru on everything. But I know I am a guru of one thing, and that is getting back up. So I just challenge y'all, don't give up. Continue moving forward. And uh, yeah, let's let's get off this pile. <laughs> Let me get off that. I'm excited about today's guest today. She's about to bring extreme, extreme value. Man, her stories left me cracking up laughing. Like when I re-listened to it when I was editing, and I was like, yo, this is hilarious. But she added a lot of value. She's knowledgeable in her field and she's very transparent throughout this whole progress. And I just want to leave a snippet of her bio because I, I guarantee you, she may have everybody beat that I've ever interviewed as far as length of bio. And it's not fluff stuff that she has mentioned in a bio. And I was reading, I was like, this, this can't exist in one person. Like, I don't understand where we find these people. Like, she is the definition of a unicorn. Like, seriously, a unicorn. Like, let me, let, all right. She's visited over 50 countries and five continents through her travel. She has accumulated over $600,000 in scholarships, which enabled her to pay for all four of her degrees without a dime spent. She bought her first house at 22, Series 7 angel investor, licensed real estate agent. She's been featured on numerous television, radio, and podcast platforms. I mean, when you talk about finance, mindfulness, spirituality, and her space and her demographic, she is one of the best. And let me look at her credentials. She has a doctorate in systems engineering and with a minor in finance from George Washington University, a master's of science, a bachelor's in business management and computer science. Like you, you can't really make this stuff up. And, uh, and, and, and right now she is the CEO of Novellus Financial, which specializes in providing business consulting and financial strategies for those interested in maximizing their wealth and reaching their goals. Like when I tell you, doctorate, check, world traveler, check, scholarship guru, check, 
certified in yoga. Check. She can probably swim. I mean, I don't know. I can't put nothing past her. Like, seriously, this is crazy. And her story just gets deeper when she actually hear the interview. So let me get to the interview, all right? So without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Roshana Novellis to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. Can you read my bio in general and just hype me up when I'm navigating through life? Because it, it sounded awesome coming from your voice. Nah, I was like, cause I, I just got excited because usually I ain't gonna lie. Like some days, I'm about to report quarter podcast and I'm like, man, I got to get my energy up before I before I read. But I started doing some pre work a couple hours ago and I looked at this bio. I was like, oh my goodness, she's gonna she's gonna solve my life. Like I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> like I hope I love I- it. <laughs> So before we get into it, um, kind of like I, 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 everybody knows that knows me. Um, majority of the days I get up real early. I'm talking like like four thirty, and I usually send my quote. I, I send quotes to like 170 people every single morning. I've been doing the last couple of years. So Doctor Novellis, could you start us off with a quote and, and, and share us a story how you use that quote? You have the power to grant your own wishes, and I came up with that quote to let entrepreneurs know that they have the resources, the intellect, and the tenacity to go after what their dreams are. They are worth it. So mm. there you have it. I like it. I like it. I like it. So you already know, kind of like in all my interviews, when, when, when you say that, though, can you take us to like a moment when you when you use that quote? Because I know I I, got, I I done sent out thousands of quotes and I'm like, yo, what would tell t- share our audience like a moment where you actually utilize that quote? And it was like, yo, nah, this is this is my dream. I'm gonna create it. Well, a lot of people feel like they want to accomplish something. So a specific goal is saying, hey, I want to speak at a Fortune 500 company in a corporate mm-hmm. realm. And you have a lot of experience doing this. And a lot of people just won't start. So if you feel like you're confident, you have something to share, which we all do, all you have to do is go out and start contacting the people that may be the decision makers at that organization. Just go out and do it. And what you find is that, of course, you'll hear a couple no's, but by the simple fact that you're on the path and you're making strides and you're intentional, you'll find that you'll move closer to your goals. And that's across the board. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So before we jump into what you do, because I know people that listen to the intro are like, wow, okay, she's in she's in real estate, yoga, finance. Come on, get it's a lot of stuff. But before we even get into that, can you share with our audience your background, your story, who you are before the yogi doctor, before the, the wealthy yogi, before all of this? Yeah, so when I grew up, uh, my mother told me how important it was for women to understand money. So she was a teacher and I started going with her to her investment club meetings at the age of 12. Mm -hmm. So by the time I finished college or high school, I should say, I knew how to manage my own portfolio. Also, I didn't want my mom to worry about how she was going to figure out how to pay for me 
to go to college. Mm -hmm. So I met with all of these guidance counselors. And back then when people went to libraries, I found scholarship books. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I wrote letters to all like over 200 organizations telling them what my dreams were telling them what I'd accomplished I was a cheerleader and homecoming queen I was very generic um and that I really wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, uh engineer and if they would give me the honor of letting me apply to their scholarship it would mean a lot for me mm-hmm. in the course of my life over 50 organizations uh, replied and that's how I was able to go pursue all four of my college degrees without cost, without financial worry. And that's just how I've always been, like knowing what I wanted, being intentional, and then doing what what it took. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like my mom told me, hey, do this. But I, you know, loved her so much and was so compassionate. And I knew how hard it was to raise someone as a teacher. And I was like, I am going to do this. Mm-hmm. And luckily, um, I was successful. But I've always uh, liked to integrate the technical side with the performing. Like I told you, I was a cheerleader. Even mm-hmm. in college, I was a cheerleader as well. So I always had this integrated approach to life that brought me happiness. And you can see that today and how it manifests in some of the elements that you just discussed. Oh, man, that's that's phenomenal. And before we kind of jump off that, I do want to ask real quick, because we have some we do have a contingent of college listeners and some high school listeners. How, like, okay, you sent out 200 letters and whatnot. How was that process like? Did you plan to say, okay, every day I'm going to send out five different letters? Like, what was the core reason or ability or how you were able to accumulate so much money in scholarships? Yeah, so I sent out, I don't remember exactly, was it five per day, but I, I, I selected 200 organizations mm-hmm. and I selected like, uh, organizations that weren't the biggest. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of organizations like Co-Camp Foundation that will give you a full ride, but everyone applies to Mm -hmm. those. So what I did is I applied to the scholarship from the Elks Lodge of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I applied to (laughs) all these organizations that no one has ever heard of. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them gave a scholarship to every single person that applied because they didn't get enough applicants. And some of them, I was awarded a scholarship from the um, Tuskegee Airmen Foundation. And after my first um, year of college, I sent them a thank you letter saying, hey, because of this award, I was able to uh, achieve this GPA. I'm one step closer to my dreams. Thank you so much. And then they wrote me a check for $2,000 because they said no one ever sends thank you notes and we want to know what's going on. And they put my letter in their newsletter, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But that is what my mom taught me of, you know, the the value of saying thank you, right? Mm -hmm. And people want to believe in students. So I definitely recommend applying to some of the the smaller ones Mm -hmm. and applying to everything that you're affiliated with with my mother was a delta so i clearly got a delta scholarship <laughs> um and there she was a teacher so there's all these teacher scholarships and engineering so i looked at all the different areas and it wasn't until um i was in college that i received a huge uh ford foundation fellowship and i was a gates millennium um fellowship uh recipient but initially it was all these really small awards to the point where i had to give a lot of the money back because um i received more awards than my students 
student budget mm-hmm. allow, allotted. <laughs> yeah, because how, how, how does that work? Uh, because I know I've seen it online. I know people that have gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars of scholarships, but they don't get to keep all that, right? <laughs> no. So, well, some scholarships will will write the check to the student directly, but most of them will um, send it directly to the institution mm-hmm. and this institution refunds everything that's in excess. Some of the uh, awards allow you to defer uh, for the next year. And I had to do that a couple times. Mm-hmm. So I went to a state school for undergrad. So my tuition, I'm dating myself, was only like 4000 <laughs> a year. Good girl. Um, but when Where'd I went to, to private school, when I attended RPI in New York for grad school, it went up to 60000 a year. Ooh. And so luckily I had uh, banked some of the scholarship money mm-hmm. to pay the $60,000. And even George Washington University at the time was the most expensive school in the whole country because it's right next to the White House and mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. So I had enough funds in reserve to pay for all of the education. So you have to be a bit strategic, but it allowed me to have so much financial freedom and allowed me to buy my first house when I was 22. And I still don't have the burden of student debt. So it was worth me going to the library, talking to the counselors, asking my mom to get me stamps and envelopes so that I can get this mm-hmm. done. You know? All that, all that. <laughs> Man, I, I, for the audience listening, house of 22, $600,000 scholarship. You're a college student. If you're a young adult, like I'm telling you, when we get the contact info at the end, you got to reach out. So question about that. Um, This question in general, because you have a lot of degrees, could you walk us through um the degrees you have, but most importantly, some of the things that you learned from each degree, uh, each degree and how you apply it now? Because the reason I ask that, because I know a lot of people are listening, they have their degree from college and majority of them are not in the same field. And sometimes they can get kind of negative. Like, well, I went to school for PR and I'm doing this. So I went to school for this. I'm doing this. But I think from your background that you have been able to kind of roll it all into one and use each. So uh, can you share it all this? First of all, why you chose to, to, to continue your education, why it was so important to go ahead and get your doctorate degree, but also now how that kind of, how you kind of leverage each in your day-to-day life now. Well, each degree teaches you a skill. You might not use the specific thing that you learned in that class about, you know, normal normalizing some kind of function. But what it does, especially in engineering, it teaches you how to be logical, how to see a problem, do hypothesis testing and figure out what you need to do in the real world. And this is essentially important in the entrepreneurial space. We have so many ideas and so many opportunities as entrepreneurs, and we need to know how to split test and evaluate all the options. We need to know how to figure out the return on investment, the time allotment, and and things of this nature. And the engineering and college process teaches you how to do that. So Mm -hmm. even though it's a completely different world, it really gave me the foundation that I needed. Now, going to grad school was a transition into the real world because you are completely on your own. You tell your advisor, this is this this is my research area. They say, okay, and they meet with you six months later <laughs> and say, what have you gotten done? Here are some tips. Did you, you know, cite this person or that person? Mm-hmm. Um, and it really 
gives you the confidence that you need to know that you can solve any problem on your own. Mm -hmm. But even outside of school, what I learned from working in the corporate world, doing the project management work and and dealing with people with different personalities, which was the hardest thing for me because as an uh, engineer, most engineers are not the most social people (laughs) that you met. And I was considered the most social engineer and I'm way more social now than I used to be. But it taught me the importance of having that one-on-one engagement and following up and how you close contracts. So, If you would ask me, do entrepreneurs need to go into the work world after college or can they jump straight in? I'd highly recommend just having some experience Mm -hmm. in the work world so that you understand project management, how to wear several hats and evaluate everything that's going on before you jump into your enterprise. Oh man, that's some that's some good nuggets right there. Where where does real estate fit into all this? Like, where, where, like, okay, you have all this going on. When did when did real estate even get into the equation? So I wanted to be wealthy, right? Uh-huh. And I had said, how do I do this? And I had a lot of friends who are a year or two older and say, Rashana, you have to start buying real estate. And this was uh, back before there are all these requirements mm-hmm. and. I was able to buy my first house with just an offer letter for my first job. So I closed (laughs) on my first home. I bought a a house in D.C. with an offer letter from my new job that I was going to start a couple weeks after I closed the house. So that's how. The lending uh, requirements have changed and, you know, how D.C. is. It's it's not the cheapest place. So I had a four-bedroom place. What? It was great. Yes. <laughs> and after that, and um, I decided to move about a year and a half later, and my my property appreciated almost $200,000 in that period of time. So I was like, oh, I know how to do this. Yo, what storybook so, are you reading from? This doesn't make sense. Like, your life doesn't make sense, man. <laughs> well, that's how it was back then, uh-huh. you know, before a mortgage fraud and before people uh-huh. stopped. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. changed with the reception and everything. So this is... So let's say 2003 or so when I started doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I said, let me move into Capitol Hill and do the same thing, you know. So I started, uh, I bought a two-unit row house and was able to rent parts of it out to a chief of staff for a congressman. And I had this residual income the entire time I lived in D.C. And I knew, you know, we've all read the rat race. Mm-hmm. We know about the importance of residual income. But when you have that money every month, that pays you no matter what. And after the first two months of having tenants, typically you don't have to do anything. But that mortgage, the profit that I was making on that one rental house in D.C. paid for my primary house in full every month. So I was already out of the rat race. I was already living, you know, expense free. And at the time, and I still had my full time consulting job and I was still in school. So it just made life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I really advocate for people figuring out how you can have some passive income and real estate is a a great way to do it if you know the fundamentals, if you know the area and um, you have wonderful tenants. So yeah, that's a, that's a lot of things breaking right in to to stay in that lane real quick. One second. Like, so how, how, 
first of all, how were you able to balance all that? Because you said school, full-time job, real estate. And then the question before that, though, is what were some of the things that you just starting off as far as all right, getting the information to even make those type of decisions and, and, and put yourself in that network to even be abreast of those opportunities? Well, fortunately, I had a lot of friends who had done it before me, mm. and I listened to them. My mom was like, what are you doing? You're only 22. You don't know anything. I said, well, I, my friends did it. I'm as smart <laughs> as them. Uh-huh. I'm going to try it. And, of course, I had books on how to purchase your first house, all these things that you can consider. And even I had a great real estate agent who kind of adopted me as a child. She's like, I'm not going to let anything happen. We're going to negotiate this. We're going to negotiate that. She checked on me. And my next door neighbors also were uh, had a contracting company. So anything that went wrong in my house, they fixed it without even questioning. Like, oh, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. So I was very fortunate mm-hmm. when I got started. And, and that's why I thought it was so easy and I and I've always known how to pick the right location mm-hmm. um, you don't go into an area just because it's cheap you go to an area because it has curb appeal someone else would want to move there it's you know proximity to amenities things of that nature and I was just ready to go and I said let me just go for it and it was perfect so oh man that's that's fantastic and before, yeah before we could we're about to move into the present day I just got a couple okay. more questions on this um, I know before before we get into starting your own company, though, with the real estate or just during that time, I know you had to have some challenges. Could you share with the audience maybe a core challenge and then kind of how you how you uh, how you went through it? I had many challenges. Mm-hmm. So the first house was great, like I told you. The second house was a whole other story. So I bought that home in Capitol Hill, D.C., mm-hmm. and the home's there over 120 years old. Whoa. So there's all these things like pipes sticking out the ground that no one has any idea where they're coming from. And within the first month, the house flooded with sewage, and they couldn't figure out oh, why. So they had I basically had to have the the whole basement redone and this was a brand new rehab Mm -hmm. and so that was a challenge and a couple years later the next door neighbor's tree uh, basically fell over and it ruined part of their property and part of my property and of course they luckily they completely fixed it and paid for it and everything but you know luckily I had good neighbors who were Mm -hmm. not but I had to deal with that whole issue and then another issue is that like in basements, you have to be really careful with mold. Mm. And so I saw a little leak. So I had to have the ground excavated around the whole property and find someone to tar it. And so there was one thing after another like that. Uh-huh. Um, but it was in a great area. And I don't know if I'll move back into an older home again. They have so much <laughs> character, but it was a lot, a lot of maintenance. And uh-huh. the last thing is when I decided that I wanted to sell my property, I said, oh, let me just, you know, send a certified letter to my tenants, you know, that I'm not going to renew at the end of the lease. They said, no, we intend to live here indefinitely and proceeded to try to sue me. So landlords, no tenant laws. D.C. has the strongest tenant laws in the country. Mm -hmm. And so you cannot... um, let's or ask someone to move out of your house unless you're moving back in even if their lease is over like you have no rights to do that as long as they're paying you money so they just paid me a year up front because they told me they did not want (laughs) to i had an attorney a congressperson i had all these 
very affluent and uh-huh. I picked those kind of people on purpose, but uh-huh. I didn't think on the other side, they're attorney. <laughs> they know the law, blah, blah, blah. And so I had to get another attorney involved to do a whole negotiation just so that I could sell the house that I owned. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> this, to me, this, this blew my mind. So that was, that was a struggle, but I, I was able to, you know, come to a resolution and exit it in, you know, a favorable way or a decent way. It wasn't favorable. I didn't get everything I wanted, but <laughs> yeah, had to let them live there for free for a while. It was, it was a whole mess. So even though like being a landlord can just be easy money, you have to know the laws of your area and you have to make sure that you have appropriate legal counsel or property managers around that can mm-hmm. help you when these things happen. So luckily, my property manager's husband was an attorney and he just stepped in to, to handle this when I when they started saying no. <laughs> wow, that's I, I've never heard anything like that. Like, no, yeah. we're not moving and we're going to pay you a year in advance. So I was like, oh, we pay you a year in advance, but I'm not moving nowhere. Like, it's my, oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, so legally, I had no right to, to ask them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Have more fun. Mm-hmm. And know what you're doing. I second guess myself a lot. So I've wasted a lot of time worrying about what's going to happen in the future. Am I doing enough? Am I smart enough? I am smart enough. I am doing it enough. And mm-hmm. having fun and enjoying life is worth it. That's a part of living. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess in the beginning when you were doing all this stuff, you weren't having a lot of fun. You were just work, school, this. You had no fun. I had no fun to the point where when I left DC, I only had like six people go to my going away event, which oh. is horrible. Yeah. So it was horrible because I would not prioritize any friend activity unless I got all of this work done, which is me is like 14 hours of work. And after you work 14 hours, you're tired. Mm-hmm. So I did not prioritize, you know, relationships with other people and that relationships are what makes life worthwhile. So when I moved to DC or sorry to Atlanta, I decided to have at least five different circles of friends, friends who like to work out, friends who are civic minded, friends who are like the intellectuals, people who like to go to the arts. And then all my little hippie friends remind <laughs> me of California days. So and that makes me so happy so no matter what's going on with my work world or fitness world i have all of these people to like have a life with and i'm just ecstatic i like that um as we transition though i I do like that circle thing so you were intentional about saying no you wrote down i'm gonna have these five circles i'm gonna have my workout people my eclectic (laughs) people my finance people my civic i I like that i need to go back in the in the drawing board because i think uh yeah I, i like that but Let's transition. So present day, Novellas Financial, can you share with our audience your jump into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So my mother always told me I should be my own boss. Mm -hmm. And after serving as a risk management consultant for a while, I needed a change. So I decided to move to Atlanta and I started volunteering at a lot of different organizations. And the one that struck to me was the Volunteer Income Tax Assistant Program. Mm -hmm. And that program um, 
we prepared tax returns for low and middle income taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I love helping people. There's so many people that are terrified about their money. They're terrified about IRS notices. And it was just a natural fit. Like I would figure out extra two hours in my day to just go down to the clinic to, to volunteer to help people. And they say that anything that you will be willing to do for free should be um, something that you do for a career. However, when I decided to move from corporate full-time to full-time entrepreneurship, it didn't go as smoothly as mm. I expected. <laughs> uh-huh. Transition. So I made sure that I had a corporate contract in place before I quit. So I said, okay, cool. And then one of my close friends introduced me to one of her friends who had similar objectives. Both of us had doctorates. Both of us are are hard workers. Both of us had an interest in the finance business. So my very close friend said, hey, the two of you should work together. And after six months of discussing it, we decide that that's what we want wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I quit my consulting job in D.C. I sold that income-producing row home. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Miami to start this awesome business with my former business partner. So you moved to Miami. I moved to Miami, Ooh. a city that I am not a fan of. <laughs> okay. So I moved. So all of this stuff in order to go all in and have a partner and rock out with this new business enterprise. And within six weeks or so, I realized that a lot of the clients that were proposed to me that she had on file existing clients didn't exist a lot of the employees couldn't answer basic questions and I got really really nervous and then I started talking to business coaches and attorneys and they're like yeah you shouldn't have signed this document there's no way someone would have let you buy into the company for the capital that um, you provided and the last straw, she uh, she asked me to co-sign on a new building, and I didn't understand why we needed a new building because our office space wasn't at, at capacity. Mm-hmm. And then I, I received a note, Roshana, you know, I know you put in a lot of work and used to being successful at everything that you do, but this is just a sunk cost, and you're still amazing. You have all the skills that you have. You need to end this business relationship immediately. Mm-hmm. And after that, I said, okay, I bought a one-way ticket back to Atlanta, left everything I had there, my furniture, office stuff, everything in Miami. And then a couple weeks later, I started Novellus Financial on my own Mm -hmm. with the same mission to help people with finances. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So, man, so (laughs) that's a, uh, and I I, I know we might not want to live, but if you can tell us now, especially now knowing your spirit and whatnot, what, how are you able, because I know there had to be some very, 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 very challenging times those last couple months making that decision and then leaving because you don't seem like the person would just be like, okay, I'm done, I'm out. So how did you get, how was your mental space and how did you get through that troubling time? Because I know that was, I mean, a lot of financial risk, a lot of just, you, you took a huge leap. And it just didn't turn out anywhere near. It wasn't like a a, a small thing. It was like, it was a lot. So how did you mentally process that and and say, okay, boom, and get through it to to where you are now? Well, luckily I had a lot of advisors and friends who told me, even my mother, Roshana, you're good at making money. You've made all this money in real estate. 
there's no reason why you won't do it again. And this, every person who's been really successful has made mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you just read the stories of all these very successful people, they've, some of them been bankrupt. Some of them has lost everything. And they're like, maybe this is your first blip. So her, mm -hmm. luckily you got that out of the way. So I had a lot of different people from different perspectives, mm -hmm. like helping me through it. And even the friend who introduced um, the two of us, she's very spiritual and mindful. She's also a flower child like me. And she just talked to me like, Roshana, this is this too shall pass. You uh -huh. know, you're still amazing. And, you know, it took a while. You know, I was hurt for a while. But now I understand that I learned a lot. I learned that it's very important to have third party advisors look at contracts before you sign them. And I had the ego because I'm so smart. I have all these degrees. I can read anything and understand anything. But they might have found some of the nuances that I did not see. So it's very important to do that. And it's very important to trust your gut. And look at, determine, um, you know, the per personality of everyone you're going into business with, how mm -hmm. you work together, work ethic, and all of those things, and not only focus on the revenue potential. I was more focused on, hey, we made, she made this amount of money this year. If the growth um, projections are right, we'll be like rolling within, mm -hmm. you know, 12 months. But it takes more than just the money projections. It's the whole picture. So now I can say that I learned a lot from that experience and I'm able to evaluate business opportunities in a more level-headed, clear-minded space. Oh man, that's perfect. That's perfect. And how long have you been operating Novellus Financial? I, since 2000, was it 12 or 13? 2013, January. Yep. Okay. So yeah. the, what the core, the core your company does what? We provide a financial strategy typically to creatives, real estate investors, and people in technology. Mm -hmm. So people contact me when they either want to do a better job at managing their finances, if they want to grow or expand their business, or if they just want to make sure they have a better relationship with their money. I advocate like a Money Mondays where entrepreneurs focus at least one day a week to look at the return and investment of their activities and um, where they want to go. So essentially, I provide strategic coaching and also produce some of the financial documents for entrepreneurs. Mm. So why do you think it's, it's especially for because I know a lot of people on this that are listening are like first age entrepreneurs, first time they're in the first couple of years. Why do you why do you think there's so much fear and even myself fear of really digging deep in the financial, especially if you're a creative, because sometimes as a creative, you're like, well, the money will come later or this is just my passion and it's going to find out. And then you find yourself two months, three months, four months, six months, maybe a year, and you really have not really even looked at the financial picture. So doing from your experience working with kind of new age entrepreneurs, what are some 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 tips you would give and and, and talk about the the fear that most people have with money in any way? Well, we grow up in this economy of fear. And unless we have people in our lives that say no Knowing having a relationship with your money allows you to get the things that you want. It's hard for us to get out of that space. So I have a book called Budgeting is More Liberation Than Limitation that discusses just that and how to change the mindset, how to change the 
connotations so that you can address the things that you want to do. For instance, say you really want to take new guitar lessons, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can perfect your craft. And so you've had this on your goal list for five years. But Mm -hmm. if you just say, hey, how much will this cost? Can I allocate some money and stop doing, you know, maybe a happy hour a week? Can mm-hmm. I get this done? And the answer a lot of times is yes. So it's if you can have the honest conversation with yourself and your dreams and what's and a better thing is to visualize what do you want your life to look like in 10 years? Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing what you need to do right now to get to that goal, then let go of that fear and do what you need to do because do you want a life that you're going to complain? Do you want to be that bitter person, that woulda, coulda, shoulda person? Mm-hmm. So if the answer is no, then make a change. Let go of that fear. Every religion says fear is useless. So if you're religious, every single one says it's pointless. Mm-hmm. And so do what you need to do. You might fail. You might have some bumps in the roads, but at least you know that you've tried. And that's what life is. I mean, do you want to actually live? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to just be in the rat race and hamster wheel and 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 really feel like you have no control over anything that you do? Oh, man, that's 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 great. And um, my only question to that is because I know there's people here that they 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 know it. OK, they know they need to make changes financially. They need to make changes in their, their whole their life in general, balancing um, work life balance, balance things, whatever. But. That first step is the hardest. And then also knowing how to change or if the change feels right or all this other stuff. So for those that say, okay, right now, I know in 10 years, if I continue saving or if I continue doing this in that manner, I am not going to be where I want to be. But I don't even know kind of where to even set my future at or whatnot. So that's sometimes a hesitant. What is that core advice you would tell them for people in that? Because I know you probably meet a lot of people that come to you and they're like, I don't know where to go. So how do you so what's your process? Hey, that's a better question. What's your process using when people come on board and kind of starting to write the ship? Is it more holistic or there's certain things they got to do? Well, it is holistic in a way. So I start with doing mindfulness, meditation, or yoga before we talk about finance. Oh, wow. Because I believe that when you are in the present moment, it's easier for you to see what you want. So a lot of times if we're stressed out, which happens a lot about money, we're comparing ourselves to other people's social media lives or what our neighbors are doing or, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we can push all the noise out and just be with who we are, we're able to honestly answer these questions. So once we honestly answer these questions, we need to know what kind of life do you want to live? Do you like interfacing with clients all day or do you want to be behind the scenes such as like internet business? Like what kind of interaction do you want to have with the public? So, and what would be success to you? So once you're able to uh, articulate some of these goals, the next step would be to devise a business that meets your objectives. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't do this. For instance, I personally am more of an introvert, right? Mm -hmm. And I went into doing taxes primarily when I started my business. And meeting with clients, sometimes 14 clients per day, was actually not in alignment with my own personal need to be by myself. So I had to do this exercise on my own and I and I had an aha moment that hey, you need to switch something stuff up so you not don't have as much one-on-one engagement with people. Mm-hmm. So everyone needs to 
at the high level, figure those things out. And then the strategy piece goes into play so that you can have a business that's in alignment with your entire life mission, your personality and your goals. Man, that's that's huge. You're speaking to my soul right now because I, I know a lot of times you can get lost, especially now it's, it's easy to become quote unquote entrepreneur. So you can get lost in having or doing, starting these businesses, these companies or building these apps. And it's like in your course, like that's not aligned. But my question too, being that we are in the social media age and as an entrepreneur, especially you have some early success, you get some visibility, you're taking pictures, you have your website going some people on the outside, they'll they'll just be like, oh, man, she's got it. So you're getting all this like, oh, man, you're doing a great thing. You're making money. with Ooh. But in the inside, a lot of times, especially for first age entrepreneurs, a lot of times the money isn't rolling like people think. Or a lot of times they know that they want to shift their business. But from the outside in, everybody's already patting them on the back. So how do how do people kind of how do you create Roshana from um, wealthy, the wealthy yogi like that? question I actually ask myself constantly. (laughs) It is really hard to balance public perception and who you are because you also always want to be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Genuine, real. And as you mentioned, once you have a lot of publicity, people assume that, hey, you got you have all of these things going on and you kind of need this image. It's a forward looking indicator, I guess. Mm -hmm. And once you have that indicator in place, that's when the clients come. But there's a disconnect there. You're like, hey, I got this award, but no one's (laughs) this week. I want the revenue. I don't care about this award. (laughs) So it, it, it is challenging. And what I do personally is I take time to just do my own thing. And I really love working out, doing yoga, just being by myself, reading. Um, So I personally, you will not see me at events every day or on shows every day because that's just not in alignment with what I want to do. I like the small things like talking on the phone, taking walks, you know, Mm -hmm. and whenever we feel like uh, our life is kind of getting out of whack, we have to find a way to bring ourselves back to center. And when we're back to center, it's easy easier for us to go out and have that face. Like if you're all drained and depressed, you're not going to do well on a show, right? Mm -hmm. If you're calm, like before this, I did my spinning class this morning, so I feel awesome. Now I can talk to you and happy, you know, go away. You know, so it's it's knowing who you are, knowing yourself, knowing what you need to feel energized. Mm-hmm. And you do not have to share everything about your life with the world. Even though social media strategists always tell you to share more, more, more. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's your life. You're going to have to deal with the consequences and you have the ultimate uh, say in what you're willing to do. Mm, that's some that's some great advice right there and um uh, also too another thing uh with that with the at what now what you're doing and you have like i said you have a lot of visibility and things i know over the last decade plus you've gotten a lot of requests a lot of requests from family friends whatever maybe it's money maybe it's um to be on this show maybe it's to write this blog or maybe it's to speak at this conference whatever how do you how do you say no to certain things like how do you how yeah mm Back to your earlier point when you talked about the ROI on certain investments. How do you make a decision on if your time or if your money or if your your presence should be at an event or should be doing something or if it shouldn't? So 
I have a certain amount of volunteer civic duty that I'll do. So I'll do a certain level of pro bono speaking engagements or, you know, teach kids how to code or whatever. But there's, I, I've allotted how much time I can do with that. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Number two, will it help me business-wise to grow more clients or some intellectual? Well, that's separate. Uh for business reasons and then the whole intellectual stimulation or do I just want to be there right Mm -hmm. and if if things don't um fall in these categories the answer is no and I'll go back to the first step is really important to say what are your boundaries are all of us should serve I know I'm here because people believed in me and helped me so it's very important for me to help other people but I can't do that eight hours a day every day Mm -hmm. so I decide what are the most important causes to me and what I will or will not do. So recently I did a talk for the um, Urban League on on entrepreneurship and I volunteered to do that. And I said, okay, that's the last one for the year. I've done (laughs) enough of them. I feel like I've given my insight to aspiring entrepreneurs, which is part of my dream, part of my goal. Mm -hmm. But from here on out, only paid speaking opportunities. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Nah, that's 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 real. And also, too, and I don't want to get too personal, but I know family members, friends, or whatnot, you're the, you're the money coach. Like, you've been selling houses at 22, so do a lot of people come to ask, ask for money and, and handouts? Yeah. Like, how do you... And, My yo. brother's so cute. Like, Rashonda, I'm ready for you to buy me a house in L.A. <laughs> he did ask me that. I'm like, what? I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're married with two kids. Didn't you guys have that uh, discussion amongst your family? <laughs> yeah, yes, sis, but you know... That's you. And, you know, I spoiled my brother. I gave him a stipend throughout college and I've done a, a lot. Stipend? Of, don't know. say that because I got a younger brother and I don't, <laughs> I don't want him to listen to this episode. He's thinking I'm about to give him a stipend. What? How you, you I just a... wanted it because, you know, I was valedictorian, straight A student and he was a B student, which is, it was a bit different for him. And he had some, you know, it, he didn't have as many scholarships as awards as I did. Like I... No one ever had to give me any money. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I was like, I can help my brother, especially we're four years apart. So I was already working mm-hmm. um, at the time. But, you know, these are all optional things and they require thank you and gratitude. And um, so uh, it has been a challenge at different times. But what I tell people is don't let anyone borrow or give anything to anyone that you do- that you need to be returned so really just assume that it's a gift no matter what words are said mm-hmm. that's, some, that's some great advice that's some great yeah advice. <laughs> yeah just always yeah. um before we get into the future this would ask a couple more questions when you say um right now because i know you have a, a wealth of knowledge on a variety of different things finance real estate whatnot what would be some top tips you would give just for melinda not even entrepreneurs but just for young adults um, or even yet yeah, majority young adults, cause that's our, that's our audience based majority for in their financial future or just living a more holistic life. Because I mean, we live in an age now where life is kind of sped up. You see people online doing all this stuff in your career. You're, you're aiming for a Benz at 23, 24, 25. And back in the day, people didn't get it to like 50 or 60 and every, everything's fast, fast, fast. And you sometimes really hard to kind of live in the moment. So if you just have, any nuggets from your years of wisdom, um, what would be some top ones you would share with the audience? Well, I've constructed like a five tip 
mm-hmm. sequence okay. to uh, help entre- or anyone live their ideal life. And that's found on the wealthyyogi.com, just on the homepage. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is be mindful, which we discussed, and be honest. And then be strategic, stay invested, and stay motivated. So this applies to everything that you want to do. So if you want to launch this new firm, if you want to enjoy your first job in corporate America, if you want to travel, like all five of these things matter and help. So a lot of times people start something and don't finish. They get maybe 60% or 80% of the way and then they start something else. Mm-hmm. But you won't know if that something's for you or right for you unless you carry it through. So no matter what it is, just pick something, go for it, and then pivot at the end. So pivot, 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 yeah. pivot, pivot, pivot. Because pivot, pivot. Pivot. I have so many friends who still don't know what they want to do when they grow up. And I'm like, just pick something. It does. Nobody knows what they want to do forever. Mm-hmm. The average person goes through five different careers. So pick something. It might be fantastic. It might not be, but at least you know that you had that experience. You gave it a chance and then, you know, move on. So just go for it. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't complain. Just do what you think is best for your life and be happy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really all you can say because you're gonna continue pivoting your whole life. Like every, even if you okay, I want to be actor. You can't act your whole life. There's certain things that you want to do. So, nah, I'm I'm all on board with that. I'm all on board with that. And also, the last question to present day, like, what's a typical day like for you though? Like, how do you schedule your days? I start off with working out every day. If I don't work out, I get tense. Monday through Sunday. Yeah, every day. Yes, and. After that, in the mornings, I typically have my creative time if I'm devising a new program or doing blog articles or, or something like that. Uh, typically do networking at lunch. And then um, during the afternoon is when I meet with all of my clients to so answer any finance questions. Um, and a lot of times during the evening, sometimes I do a two a day workout sometimes, mm. or, uh, a lot of either the nonprofits that I work with have an event or there's some community event, but I try to limit those to just two to three days a week because I like to be, uh, I like my quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the day that's special for me is Saturdays. That's the one day that I'm spontaneous. I know scheduling spontaneity is kind of odd, but I'm completely <laughs> spontaneous on Saturday. So I, I just wait for an invitation to do whatever. <laughs> and it's usually like a festival, going to an art show, maybe doing an extra workout. Like last Saturday, I'd already worked out in the morning. My friend's like, hey, join me at the spinning class. So it was like a social thing. I'm like, okay. Um, and just hanging with friends. So spending quality time with others is always uh, really important. But my days have a lot of flexibility because I really design my day around, you know, the things that I value, which is the fitness and whatnot, and then what the client's needs are. So it's not, even though what I presented to you is is a structure, it's not necessarily that way every single day. Mm, I got yeah. you. I got yeah. you. <laughs> Before we get into the future, I do got, I always ask our entrepreneurs on there how the, the biggest question about any business is, is revenue and bringing in clients. So 
what is your what was your first like how has your strategy grown over this is the last question of this round over the over the years as far as how how you bring in clients because we have a lot of people out there's a lot of businesses out there but a lot of businesses fail because they don't they're not bringing in clients not bringing in revenue so what was your strategy when you first started bringing in clients and how how has it evolved over the over the years so I started going to networking groups when I first started, which Mm -hmm. was not fit for my personality. Ah, I do not like to talk to a lot of people. So if I'm going to network now, I only will go to breakfast meeting or lunch engagements when they're small, like circular tables, Mm -hmm. um, because I only need to speak to four or five people um, to build those genuine relationships and move forward. I was wasting a lot of time networking. So moving on from there, I actually get most of my clients online, namely through LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn has gotten noisier over the last year or so. It's gotten noisy. <laughs> noisier because t- it was much easier about a year, year plus ago. And what I do is I publish blog articles. Typically, people, if they read about you, mm-hmm. they're spending more time. And then they click on your profile and see you have 18 degrees and you volunteer volunteer and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And they're like, oh, I want you, you know, I want to be your client. <clears throat> so it was an easy way to pitch myself to clients. And typically, I, I still get clients from LinkedIn uh, continuously. So that has been the easiest way for me to get clients. And now I have, you know, all of these podcasts and TV and radio interviews and all that kind of stuff, which is still harder to track. It's, it's, um, it's like, it's, 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 it's just it's like having a podcast because we've had all these downloads and I'm like, yo, some days I'm like, is anybody here? And I get these emails, and these phone calls like, oh, you're ranked. I said, I don't care about the ranking, man. Like, I need all these, all this data they have is like, I don't, Apple needs to do better. Like the only metric to me that matters is what call to action. So if people hear me on the show, go to my website, download my free mind map that I give away. Mm -hmm. Then I know that they felt like I was engaging and it mattered uh, for me to be on that show. So one show over 200 people did that, which was awesome, right? But mm-hmm. other other times, it could be none, right? Mm-hmm. And especially, let's say, if you're on TV, people don't typically try to reach out to people that they see on TV. And I'm thinking, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of hard. However, um, there's lots of second-degree ways to get clients. Once you have a certain level of profile, you'll get all kinds of additional opportunities that you might not have gotten otherwise. For instance, I was recently appointed to the Commission on Women for the City of Atlanta, so I'm going to represent the City of Atlanta on women's issues. And the reason why the City Council President nominated me is because he knows about all the work that I've been doing in the community and he's just been aware of all the things. He's also on my LinkedIn. <laughs> he's also connected to me on LinkedIn. He was like, based on all the stuff you do, I know you're a strong advocate for women and entrepreneurship. I think you will be great on this citywide level commission. And that's not something that I was even going for. So there you have it. <laughs> yeah, nah, and have you got a lot of your publicity more so, or your opportunities for for you reaching out, or more so, it's just the snowball effect. You just little by little, people. Oh, can you get this and this, and you get there, and you just crush it, and then stuff just starts to happen. Or are you a little bit more proactive in getting out your message? I've been proactive, but I must say, again, with the metrics, it's kind of difficult, and sometimes. 
people contact you six months later <laughs> they tell you no and then hey six months later you'll be perfect for this like wait <laughs> so being proactive is definitely the way to go and with all of um social media podcast shows all that stuff all media it's collecting the metrics is, is much is a much more difficult game but all of it together helps elevate profile and helps an entrepreneur get closer to where they want to go and all of this is especially more important if there's a product if you have a product-based business because mm-hmm. people want to know you know about that I'm more of a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. but um I've been going hard with this area for at least 2016, and I've been on maybe 30 or 40 different media platforms. And and so balancing that with I still need to service my clients, I still need to make them happy, I still need to have my spontaneous day a week, um, that has made me um, more balanced and more harmonious because a lot of times when we get busy – we will uh, drop down on the self-care. And that's not what we need to do. Self-care needs to be there no matter what. So when I plan my day, I do not let that day interfere with my workout time and my personal time at all. So whatever I can do when the existing other time, that's fine. Mm, that's great. No, nah, that's 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 phenomenal. Um, and And since you said it, though, have you seen so far this year any difference between this year because you've been on a i guess quote unquote a promo blitz then the <laughs> yeah. years the, the the years where you were like okay it was a lot of in-house not as far as media is there has it been any recognizable difference as far as your growth so the growth is actually in profile okay. um, the yeah. kinds of events that people ask me to attend um, the places where I have speaking engagements, um, the kinds of magazines that feature me um, have definitely improved. Um, in terms of the revenue side, I think that's still a lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it just takes time. But when people have to uh, f- feel comfortable with you and that they know you. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing how all of this manifests. I'm having my next, uh, retreat in October. So I'm hoping that, uh, a lot of people will participate in that, but there has been a huge increase in my profile, um, in the city of Atlanta and mm-hmm. just the opportunities that I have is just skyrocketed. And you already have the details out for your retreat and it's all available online. Like it's all yes. the- it's all available online October 7th through the 10th, and it's on my website, thewealthyyogi.com slash retreat. And during the retreat, we will have fitness classes, meditation, financial strategy, and our mastermind. So the goal would be for every participant to leave the retreat knowing what they need to do to get their finances on track. So I'm really excited about that. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. When you jump right into the next round. So I just got a couple questions in the future. Then we're going to wrap it up. So what's outside? I guess you already spoke to it. What's next for you in 2016? Like, where can we see you at? Like, what, what's, what's, what's the way? So I mentioned the Commission on Women. I mentioned the retreat. Also, I am very passionate about pairing capital with 
um, entrepreneurs of color and women-led businesses. So we've launched Bootstrap Capital, which is a membership organization of people who have the same interests. Mm -hmm. And we are having a portfolio showcase and event at the end of this month. So there'll be more and more events uh, in that regard because I know that women and people of color deserve as much investor capital as mm. anyone else. And this is one of my main, main passions. And beyond that, there are tons of ways that people can work with me. And that's all uh, located on my website, thewealthyyogi.com. And I'm just excited to keep on pushing. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. And uh, what? where do you want your career, what do you want to be, be doing in 20 years? Okay, so let's go five. Okay. Five, five years, I want to successively have raised $50 million for the fund to invest in people of color and um, women. Mm -hmm. So that would be done. It will be on our second or third round of doing that. I personally want to be on a Shark Tank-like TV show mm -hmm. where I'm evaluating businesses and helping entrepreneurs uh, reach their objectives. And then... Other than that, I'll just be having a, a balanced family life and traveling the world. Oh, man, that's fantastic. And five, eight. All I got to say is don't forget about that little black boy that did the podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> How can I forget you? <laughs> um, is there any last thing you would like to leave with our audience before we get to the rapid fire and then we get out the show? Yeah, so if you would like a copy of my five-step guide, just go to thewealthyyogi.com slash mindmap, and I'll give you an overview of everything that I'm about. Hey, you already know what it is. We'll have that and all that on the show notes on the website, so we'll make sure that's plugged, and uh, let's get right into it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Your network is your net worth. <laughs> Mm, be careful with those close 10 people <laughs> it's, it's hard though because i mean you grow up like with some cool cats and then it's like you hear that and you're like Duh. but i feel you though it's just yep. that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole nother podcast right <laughs> so have people around you who have you know received this success that you would like to receive so yeah. it's very important um who are your mentors and how did you get them I have a different corporate mentors. I also have a mentor that's an executive director for a women-led incubator. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of mentors, I just started having one-to-one -one conversations. I asked them if I can meet with them. These are my core questions. It'll be very short and sweet. And then after that, they loved me. And then I was able to have more and more meetings after that. So it's generally an organic process, mm -hmm. but you have to identify which people um, will help you and have as many as you need to satisfy the different areas of your life. Mm. What is your favorite book and why? I have different ones, but I was talking to someone about mastering the Rockefeller habits yesterday. And this mm -hmm. book talks about the importance of 90 day goals and five year goals and how your whole life should be surrounded by these two factors and, and, Doing this will eliminate all the goals. But what changed my whole life was reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. and, and I brought that book with me to Thailand, and it helped me revamp the whole structure of my company. So mm. I recommend both. Got you, got you, got you. And what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? Other entrepreneurs 
when they come to me like all bright eyed with these grand ideas and they want to change the world. And I know that I can help them. I can help them stay on top of their finances. I can help them be mindful and be at peace. And just knowing that, knowing that entrepreneurs change society, it's just, it just inspires me consistently. Amen. Amen. And yeah. if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? <laughs> I would dismantle everything. No. Um, <laughs> knowing that you can't do anything quickly, I would say I would do something with education, pay teachers what they're worth. I would uh, teach about the importance of fitness or have that more integrated uh um, throughout. And I would figure out a way if there can be more systemized uh, integration with uh, nonprofits to do more mentoring throughout society, because I think that's missing. Oh, man, that's that's fantastic. And um, as customary for, for every episode of the podcast, I always ask a question about the culture, because um, I call myself the culture change agent. And mm-hmm. um, this last one, if you could change one thing about society or alter one thing about society, most specifically um, the African-American culture, what would it be and why? I would want them to be more compassionate towards each other and themselves. We are so hardcore. We're so judgmental about everyone else. So if someone's volunteering, but why did they wear that to volunteer? We just mm-hmm. are so like hard. It is hard enough as it is. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to navigate through life and try to have a smile on your face without constantly dealing with negativity, the lack of support. And so I would challenge everyone to just try to be understanding, put themselves in other people's shoes. Sometimes, because if we did that, we would find out that we have a lot in common, that everyone has bad days and everyone was a four-year-old child one day, right? Mm -hmm. And that they deserve respect and understanding. Amen, amen, amen. So before we wrap it up, I just want to say, and I think you've already mentioned before, but loud and clear, where can we find more information about you, your social media profiles, and everything that you got going on for 2016 and beyond? You can find me at thewealthyyogi.com. The free giveaway is at slash mind map. I am at The Wealthy Yogi on all social media platforms. Mm -hmm. I'm really easy to find. And that's it. Uh, you on Snapchat too? You know what? I have not joined Snapchat. I'm a little <laughs> resistant, so maybe yes. I need to do that this year. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. Snapchat, it's just, yeah, that's a, it's another thing you have to learn. There's more nuances. It's so, it's so personal. It's kind of vain in, in a sense. Like, I, I got 11. I got it, but it's just because I speak to high school. They all on Snapchat, so it's another right. avenue to reach them, but I don't, I don't really like Snapchat like that, but, um, yeah, I'm not on there. And even Periscope, I'm on there, but I, I know I need to be on there more often. But I'm excited about these Instagram stories and Facebook Live and all of that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just more, it's more more things to just find out if it's really moving anything or all. It's just so much stuff. But hey, gotta gotta take the good with the bad. So without further ado, I would like to thank you from from my heart for giving us over an hour of your time just to come share knowledge, uh, bring humor, bring a crisp, clear voice. I don't know what kind of microphone you're using or it sounds like you're in the sauna or, or, or something. Man. You're, I don't know. I was like, yo, you have the crispest voice. Every time I get on this podcast, my voice usually sounds 
great. And yours is just like, God, Lee, I just want to, I just want to hear your voice all day. So on Entrepreneur on Fire, they required a certain microphone. Uh And now I use this for everyone. And everyone says the same thing. This is pretty awesome. So I I can email you the specifics. It's inexpensive, $28, but it's fantastic. Because I got got a hundred. I I like the way my sound, but yours is just, I I don't know. Because I don't know if my voice is the same as yours. Mine might not sound like yours, but it just gives (laughs) you the right, the right, the right tint. But I I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Thank y'all so, so much for tuning in all the way through. If you haven't already, please stop what you're doing right now. Leave a review online. It's easy. It takes a couple minutes. And share the podcast with a friend if you think they can benefit. This has been a phenomenal experience. And if you ever want to reach out, have any questions for me, you can reach me at Twitter, at Greg E. Hill, Instagram, at Greg E. Hill. And let's continue that dialogue and conversation. And let's continue to do one thing. What is that one thing, Mr. Hill? That one thing is to change the culture. Have a good night.